Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Great to see everybody this morning. I'm glad you could be with us here at Rock House Baptist Church. Greatest, I won't go there, never mind. We were glad you're here with us this morning. Apologize for uh, the way I sound today. I'm fighting the same junk that everybody else is fighting off. But uh, hope everybody's doing good. Survived the great flood of 2020 so far. We made it. Hopefully we'll make it another week. So we've been going through the Bible, reading through the Word together as a church, and we've got reading plans available if you still need one of those. And uh, this week we come out of Genesis and start on the book of Exodus in our reading plan. And so we're going to be looking at the first, uh, actually we're going to be looking at uh, Exodus chapter 3 this morning, moving on from the life of Joseph to the life of Moses. And as we go through Moses' life, we're going to find out that there are so many similarities in the life of Moses with the life of Jesus, as there are a lot of these characters in the Old Testament. And you think about uh, who Christ was. Christ was the fulfillment of, one, the law, which came through Moses, and also the prophets. All these prophecies point to who Jesus would be and who he was. So last week, we saw a scene from the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 45, and really this is where the story of God's people begins to take shape. The story of God's chosen people, out of all the people on earth, he chooses this one family, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that will become this nation of his chosen people, and they're starting to take form. Remember, it started when he called Abraham. He said, leave your home place, go to the land that I'll show you, and then he went on to Isaac, and we talked about the life of Jacob, and then eventually Joseph, how he was in Egypt. And Joseph, uh, the long story short, uh, in Joseph's life, he, after the big grand family reunion that we saw last week and the big emotional mess that we have, Joseph moves his whole family to Egypt. He goes and he brings his dad, all his brothers, all their kin, moves the whole family into Egypt, and they settle down in the land of Goshen, the north part of Egypt there. And as time goes on, these people, they're, they're hardy, man, and they do extremely well in Egypt, and they obey God's command to multiply and subdue the earth. And so as time goes on, eventually Joseph passes away, all of his brothers pass away. The Bible says all of that generation passes away. No surprise there. As time goes on, guess what? That's going to happen. But there comes another Pharaoh, and here's where things begin to get sticky. A new Pharaoh comes up, and he apparently did not do his history. He did not remember Joseph, nor any of the good things that Joseph did, like saving the nation of Egypt from famine. He don't know anything about that. And he begins to view the Israelites. It's the first time that they're referred to as a nation of people, the Israelites. He begins to see them as a potential threat to Egypt. 
And so they began to essentially enslave God's people. The Bible says they put taskmasters over them to force them into labor. They make it really hard on them. And lo and behold, that's not enough. And Pharaoh decides that he wants to kill every Hebrew boy that's born to the Israelites. Thankfully, there was one father and mother who said, we're not going to allow this to happen. And they were a godly people from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, and they raised the boy and kept him hid as long as they could. But eventually they had to uh, build a little basket. You all know the story of Moses being put in the river. They built a little basket, put him in the river, let him float downstream. What a gut-wrenching story to put your child into the river. But God was in control of all of this. And where does Moses land? Just so happened, Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath in that nasty Nile River and found Moses in the basket. And so Moses becomes the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gets saved. He gets to uh, live there with the, the royalty. And he even gets to be nursed by his own mother. I mean, God was all in this story. And so Moses grows up. And when he grew up, somehow he realized whether he was taught or whether he realized he looked different than the Egyptians. We don't really know. But he, he realized that his people were being mistreated. And he got, it got to him so bad that one day that he actually killed an Egyptian taskmaster that was mistreating one of the Hebrew people. So Pharaoh wasn't real thrilled with this. He wanted to kill Moses. And Moses runs for his life into the wilderness of Midian, probably modern-day Saudi Arabia. He ran right, I mean, just to the, right into the desert. And Moses, you look at his life, it's conveniently divided up into 40-year portions. Moses spends the first 40 years of his life in Egypt thinking that he was somebody. And then he spends the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness finding out really he is a nobody. But then from this point where we start today, he'll spend the next 40 years of his life, the last 40 years, finding out what God can do with anybody that realizes they're a nobody. Joseph fled to the, the wilderness of Midian. He becomes a shepherd. And you know God has a thing for shepherds, doesn't he? And we find Moses here um, really just trying to get on with life. He's, he found a family. He found a wife, a daughter of the priest of Midian. He settles down, and he's got these flocks that his uh, father-in-law Jethro. What a great name for a father-in-law. Jethro's got all these flocks, and he's tending to them. And on an ordinary day, just another day in the life of Moses, in an ordinary place, he has an extraordinary encounter with Almighty God. And that takes us to Exodus chapter 3. Let's look at Exodus 3 this morning. We're just going to walk through these verses today. No points. You're just going to hear a story. Exodus 3 verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Everything always happens in the meanwhile, doesn't it? Not when God shows up when you least expect it. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord 
appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now remember, this was just another day in the life of Moses. Just an ordinary day, just another place where he'd taken his flock to eat and to pasture. But then he has this incredible experience where this being begins to speak to him from this burning bush that's not consumed and, and tells him, hey, this place, man, is a holy place. This is holy ground. Take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. Now, it wasn't that the ground was special. It wasn't that this mountain was all that special, although it will become a common place in Moses' life. But the place was holy. Why? Because of the presence of Almighty God. Now, what does that tell us? When we come into God's presence, man, we are standing on holy ground. We need to be in awe and reverence of who God is. No, no, we don't have to be standing on this same mountain. We can experience God's presence right here. Now Moses was standing, whether he realized it or not, in the presence of the most holy and powerful being in all of the universe. Wrap your mind around that for just a second. Verse 6 says, Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And notice this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So you look at where Moses is in life, and honestly, it's hard to say if Moses actually knew who God was. He probably very likely knew about God, he knew of God, but you've got to think Moses was raised for the first 40 years of his life by Egyptians who had all kinds of gods. And honestly, you even look at the Hebrew people that had, had been enslaved in Egypt, it's probably likely they had possibly forgotten who God was. They kind of had that trend going on throughout the Old Testament. And so whether or not Moses realized exactly who this God was, he knows there's something special about him. He knew that there's something so uh, unique about this living God that he was so holy and so mighty he shouldn't even look at him. He hides his face from the Lord. And verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. All kinds of sites. And so because the Israelites cry for help has come to me. And I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Get this. Therefore, go. 
I'm sending you to Pharaoh so you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'll be honest with you. This is the moment in life that most people dream about. Especially we guys. I mean, you think about how many movies have this exact plot. So, you got a guy living a normal life. Most of the movies, he's ex-military or an ex-cop or something. All of a sudden, the government shows up and says, we need your help. You're the only hope for the world. And if you don't come with us right now, everything's going to fall apart. And then the guy's like, well, I don't know. I got all these reservations. But then suddenly his deep moral convictions take over. And he's like, you know what? I will go and save the world. <laughs> and it's every young man's dream. <laughs> and some women. Earlier in Moses' life, I think he would have jumped at this opportunity to be the hero. He had already killed one Egyptian for mistreating somebody. He, when he came to Midian, and he, these guys were bullying the women at the well around Midian, he ran them off. He didn't even think twice about it. He ran them off and got rid of the bullies. At one point in his life, he was the guy, the superman of men. But now we come to this point in his life where he realizes he's not everything that he might have thought he was. One time in his life, he would have been glad to prove to everybody that he was somebody. He wasn't just a red-headed stepchild of an Egyptian pharaoh's daughter. He had, he had it, man. He was the guy. But after spending some time in the wilderness and learning a little bit more about himself, matter of fact, you know how long he's been here in the wilderness? We're coming at the, up to the end of his 40 years of being in the wilderness. He's learned a little bit about himself. And notice his response to God. Verse 11, but Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I thought I was somebody, but I've just learned out here with the sheep and the goats, I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a nobody. And you're asking me, God, to go and do something big for you? Who am I? I think that's a question we've got to ask ourselves, isn't it? If we answer anything other than nobody, I'll be honest with you, uh, we're not ready to do what it is God wants us to do. Now, for those that think you're somebody, I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. You can still think that a little bit. But the fact is, God can't do as much with a person that really thinks they're something than he can with somebody that realizes they're nothing apart from him. With him, the Bible says, all things are possible. With man, nothing is possible, but with God, all things are possible. And so Moses rightly asked, who am I? And notice what God says in response. I love this. He, he answered. He didn't tell Moses. He said, buddy, you're okay. You're strong. You're smart. You can speak well. You can sing beautifully, Moses. He said, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I'm the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. So Moses asked, who am I? What do I have to offer? Why would you pick me? And God says, I'll be with you. That's enough, man. That's all you need. 
You don't have to know exactly what to say. You don't have to feel totally prepared. I just need you, Moses, in this moment to be willing to be obedient to me and know and trust that I will be with you. Don't that kind of sound familiar? Go, do this, and I will be with you, even to the end of the age. It sounds a lot like a command that Jesus gave to us many, many years later as he stood before his own disciples. And he says, all authority has been given to me under, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I, to observe all that I have commanded you, and remember what? I will be with you even to the end of the age. Point there is that God, the same God that appeared to Moses in the wilderness in the form of a burning bush and told him to go to Egypt is the same God that today stands before his church and says, I want you to go and take my gospel to the ends of this earth. And I will be with you. I am will go with you. Look at what happens next. First Moses asked, Who am I? But then he asked, Who are you? Verse 13. Moses asked God, Well, if I go, I'm not saying I'm going to, but let's just say I did. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Well, what's his name? What should I tell them? And so again, there's a couple possibilities here. Uh, one, Moses may not have known God's name himself. Two, these Hebrews who had been in captivity for so long now may not have known who God really was. Either way, God's getting ready to make a grand entrance. Verse 14. Y'all have heard this one before. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Aya Asher Aya. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. But verse 15 is just as important. God also said to Moses, Say this to the Israelites. The Lord, or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Folks, I want you just, just to grasp the magnitude of this moment in biblical history, okay? God had chosen this day, this place, with this man to make himself known to all of the world. It was going to be captured on the pages of Scripture See, God had come to other people before, but he never really revealed who he was. He had never told anybody else, I am who I am. And here he says to Moses, simply I am. I was, I am, I will be. You may be a nobody out here in the middle of this Saudi Arabian desert, but guess what? I will be with you. I am who I am. And notice what God says to tell the Israelites. He says, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of who? Who? Jacob. Wait a minute. A couple weeks ago, we, had, we went over this story. I think there's a problem in the Bible here, isn't there? 
Didn't God change Jacob's name to Israel? Why when God, did God misspeak here? Shouldn't God say, listen, go and tell them people I'm the God of Abraham? Because Abraham's name was changed, right? It used to be Abram. So God got that right. I'm the God of Isaac and I'm the God of Israel. What's happening? We talked a couple weeks ago about how God changed Jacob's name. He gave him a new identity. Jacob wasn't a really good person. He's a knucklehead. The name Jacob literally means heel grabber. We know he was a thief, a liar, a cheater. And God said, hey, Jacob, guess what? I'm giving you a brand new name today. A couple chapters later, he reminds him, I'm changing your name. I'm giving you a brand new name. Your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be called Israel. But when God makes himself known to the world and reveals himself to Moses, does he say, I'm the God of Israel? He says, no, I'm the God of Jacob. I think God is subtly trying to tell us today, I'm not just the God of the best parts of you. I'm the God of the worst parts of you as well. I'm not just God when you got it all together, Moses. I'm God when you're losing it. <laughs> I am not just the God, your God, when, when you get it right. I'm, I'm going to be your God when you blow it because, Moses, you're going to blow it. I'm going to be your God when things are falling apart. I'm not just the God of Israel. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm not just the God of the somebodies. I'm the God of the nobodies. And here's the good news in all of this. It's the nobodies, like Moses, and like Jacob, and like Peter, and James, and John, and Andrew, and Paul, and Tyler, and Brian, and Dan, and Mac, and all, everybody. It's the nobodies that God wants to use to turn the world upside down. And I thank God for allowing us to be a little part of that. And he says, therefore go, because I am, will go with you. Now I'm not fit to sing a song this morning, but I'm going to read some words to you that illustrates this so well. Maybe you've heard it. But the song says this, says, why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quites, with all the never get it rights, but it turns out they're the ones you've been looking for all this time. Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, and you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen, and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear that devil start talking to me saying, who do you think you are? I say this. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that saved my soul. <laughs> Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing, and I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. He uses the nobodies. So this morning, maybe you're a lot like Moses today. You're going through life. You're doing what you think you're supposed to do. Moses was just living life, providing for his family. But the fact of the matter 
is God had a much bigger story and plan and purpose in mind. Or maybe you've messed up like Peter and you think you can't be used by God anymore. Or maybe you're just a mess like Jacob. I don't know if he ever got it right until the end. Maybe you feel like you're unworthy. You're unfit. You're unequipped for the task that God's calling you. Definitely Moses felt unequipped. But the point, the point is, the truth is, <coughs> excuse me, God's command is still the same. I want you to go. And I want you to remember and trust that I am will go with you. And really all God's asking for you is obedience. And I don't know what that looks like in your life today. You know, maybe it's uh, obedience to be saved. Maybe you've been putting God off for too long and today you just need to come and get right with Jesus. He can save a nobody. I'm living proof. Maybe God is leading you to be obedient, to, to be baptized. Maybe you've been saved, but you need baptism. Maybe God's leading you to this church where you feel like this is where you're, you're led, where you're fed, and you need to be a member of this church. Or maybe God is just telling you to go to your neighbor and share the gospel with them. And I'm telling you, if you do, I am will be with you. So whatever God's leading you to do this morning, I encourage you to come and make that decision. We'll stand together as we pray. Father, this morning I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that you love the nobodies. Grateful that you love the unlovable. And that you sent your son to reach the unreachable. God, I thank you that even though we are unfit, we're often unequipped. Lord, you desire to use we nobodies to be part of your grand plan, God, to reach other people. Lord, you would use Moses to save the lives of a nation. And God, you want to use us to save the souls of who knows how many people. Lord, I pray we'd be obedient. As Moses did, Lord, I pray we'd make ourselves available to you, God. Whatever that looks like for us today, whether it's to come forward and be saved, to begin a relationship with you, or God, whether it's to just to get plugged in to this church, to grow closer to you, or maybe it's to let some stuff go that we've been holding on to in our life, God. Lord, whatever it is, God, we commit this time to you this morning. God, I pray that your spirit will begin to pierce hearts and change lives here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.